Last week, we began a new uh, series of lessons. We are remaining focused on uh, that aspect of our vision statement that has to do with connecting with God. We spent several weeks together talking about uh, one portion of connecting with God, and that is sincere worship. But also, a, a, a part of, of that particular um, aspect of our, of our vision is also we connect with God by making disciples. And so we began a new series of sermons last week in which we are going to emphasize what it means to make disciples. And I, I began last week's sermon by quoting from a book uh, by Gary McIntosh and Charles Arne, What Every Pastor Should Know, 101 Indispensable Rules of Thumb for Leading Your Church. And rule number one, according to McIntosh and Arne, is the Great Commission Conscious Rule. That disciple making must be the number one priority of a church. And so, of course, our, our primary text last week was Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, that we typically refer to as the Great Commission. But we concluded that sermon last week with uh, this particular point, maybe, there we go. In order to make disciples, we must be disciples. And so beginning this morning and, and continuing for the next few uh, Sundays, we are going to begin to discuss together what it means to be a disciple. Because in order to make disciples, we must be disciples. This word translated disciple in our New Testament occurs 261 times and occurs only in the gospel in Acts. Now, to help us kind of, kind of visualize or understand the impact and importance of that word, you might be surprised to know, if you don't already, the word Christian only occurs three times in the New Testament. So you kind of get the impression, particularly in the Gospels and the book of Acts, that the primary designation for someone who attached themselves to Jesus was to be referred to as a disciple. So this morning we, uh, we begin to learn uh, the importance of being disciple, being a disciple, and I want to begin by looking at this word, and then we're going to go to one uh, text this morning. And then, I, I, I don't know if, if I can get away with this or not, I'm going to give you some homework at the end of this lesson. Is that all right? Yeah, maybe, maybe, okay? I, I got a few nods of the head. But you're going to get some homework uh, this morning at the conclusion uh, of, of our lesson. Well, it's when, when, when we you look at the meaning of this word, now, the Greek word is methetes. Again, occurs 261 times uh, in uh, the New Testament. When you, when you kind of understand the background and the way it was used in first century culture, it, it becomes pretty clear to me as to why Jesus would choose this word 
to, to describe or in reference to those who attach themselves uh, to, to him. The word simply describes a learner, a pupil, a student, or we might even use the word apprentice. A disciple is concerned with learning knowledge and acquiring a skill from expert instruction. He or she may be an apprentice in a trade, a student of medicine, or a member of some kind of philosophical school. You see this word used in all three of those contexts. A disciple then is engaged in learning. This education consists in the appropriation or adoption of specific knowledge or conduct, and it proceeds deliberately, intentionally, according to a set plan. And if you go back and you choose any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you kind of focus on how Jesus taught his disciples, you see that Jesus was very deliberate. He was very intentional in what he spoke and what he modeled to his students or his pupils. So one can only be a disciple in the company of some teacher or master, or we might even use the word expert, in whatever skill or knowledge the student wanted to acquire. So there is no disciple without a teacher. And the education process involves this uh, corresponding teacher-student or uh, master-disciple relationship. And we're going to come back to that in, in just a moment. So a disciple binds himself to someone in order to acquire the teacher's practical and theoretical knowledge. A disciple develops a relationship with his teacher and learns not only by listening but also by acting and doing. Recall how occasionally in his public ministry, Jesus would send his disciples out. Right? Uh, they also learned through doing. Right? And so it always implies the existence of, of, a, of an attachment which really is intended to shape the whole life of the disciple. And so the goal of each student was to be as or like his teacher. The teacher becomes the point of unity among his disciples. It becomes their desire to preserve his teachings, to fulfill uh, his goals. The truth learned uh, was not to be abandoned for any reason but was to be perpetuated, was to be circulated uh, with all the disciples had within them. And the death of their teacher could not alter this. In fact, on the contrary, it increased responsibility to their work and strengthened their commitment to it. I mean, the relationship was just too solidly established to simply kind of disintegrate or go away 
when the teacher died. The intentions, the teachings, uh, whatever had been learned from this uh, teacher was to be cultivated, carefully preserved, and then transmitted. So that leads to two important keys about discipleship. The first is the fellowship of disciples. We, we today might, might say or use the phrase uh, a group of people or a group of students uh, belong to a certain school of thought. Right? And again, it's, it's the teaching, it's the teacher that binds the pupils together or the students uh, together. You see that in reference to in, in sports, you know, a particular coach. Uh, has assistants who then become head coaches. Uh, you see it in, in the business world where uh, a very productive or uh, successful entrepreneur has a certain model of business or a certain way of doing things. And there are those who then learn from this person and uh, it becomes kind of their way of doing business as well. We see it in education and, and on down the line. Right? And so again, there is this, this fellowship, there is this continuity amongst those who have learned from the teacher. There is also what might be called the principle of tradition. Right? The word that, that is usually translated as tradition in the New Testament simply means that which has been passed down or that which has been handed down. And, and again, through the fellowship of the students, of the pupils, or to use New Testament language, disciples, this teaching, this tradition, if you will, that has been handed to them, right? they are very careful to preserve that tradition, cultivate that teaching, and again, to perpetuate it or propagate it as they continue throughout their lives. And so you might say that one very important aspect of being a disciple is not only to reproduce the teaching of the master, but in a sense, reproduce themselves. Right? You go back to the Great Commission that we studied last week. Jesus told uh, the eleven to go forth and to teach and to baptize and to make disciples and teach everything I've commanded you. Right? And so there is this perpetuation then of what they had received from Jesus himself and to pass it on and to pass it uh, down. So, considering all of that, uh, let me suggest three essentials of discipleship or of what it means to be a disciple. First of all, there's this idea of, uh, go ahead, Kim. I, I don't know what's going on up here with my, my clicker. There's information, all right? Remember, the basic definition of methetes is to be a learner, to be a student. And so there is information that is passed along. There is information that is taught. There is, as a disciple, information that is to be learned. And, of course, we know what that information is. 
Uh, it's what we call the Bible or uh, Scripture. But there is also uh, imitation. Not, not only, again, does a disciple perpetuate what their teacher has taught them uh, by teaching themselves, but also modeling what they have been taught and uh, imitating their teacher. Paul says an amazing thing two or three times in his letters. A statement that, that for me is very difficult. You know, when he tells his, his readers to imitate me. How many of us ever do that? You know, I mess up a lot. Right? And, I, you know, it's, it's a pretty humbling thing to think that someone might actually imitate me. Right? I, I remember dr driving home from uh, some youth event late one night, and I remember it, we were between Commerce and Paris, and I was late. And I, and I, I remember one, one of the things... Uh, you know, I, was, I tried to be very sensitive about in, in youth ministry because that was before cell phones, folks. You know, anybody remember those days? You know, you, yeah. And so we were supposed to be back at 10, and we're not going to make it till about probably 10, 15. And, you know, parents would be up here uh, for the younger children if, if they weren't able to drive. And so 55 in those days. Anybody remember those days? You had to drive 55. And I was fudging a little bit. And one, one of the kids behind me says, hey, Randy, you're going faster than the speed limit. And I'm thinking, ooh. So I back off. And I'm, I'm thinking it'd probably be better to deal with some upset parents being a little late than, than them imitating me you know, or, or modeling when they drive to drive faster than, than the speed limit. All right? But Paul is able to say that because of what he adds in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, when he says, imitate me as I, you can finish it, imitate Christ. All right? And so again, a very, very important aspect of being a disciple, a student of Jesus, is not only to learn some stuff and, and, and acquire some knowledge about some things, but to put those things in, into our lives in a very practical way and live as Jesus lived. And then the third thing, and I know Greg Mays is disappointed this word doesn't begin with the letter I, but propagation, okay? Again, we, we are called to uh, reproduce disciples, make disciples, and as, as we mentioned earlier, as we looked at how this word was used uh, in, in first century culture and, and, and even before when uh, students attached themselves to a teacher, it became their life purpose to again perpetuate the teaching of their master, the worldview, if you will, of their teacher. And, and so as we go about our lives, and we made the point last week um, of, 
you know, the three parts or so of, of the Great Commission, or four, making disciples, and we do that by going, baptizing, and teaching, we go somewhere every, every day, practically. Right? And, and so as we go, we are to focus upon imitating our Lord and sharing the information we have learned about Jesus to those around us and to be very concerned about uh, making disciples uh, as well. The disciples' primary responsibility is to reproduce their teacher, first of all in themselves and then in others. So with that kind of introduction to what the word methetes means, let's look at one text this morning. Look at Luke uh, chapter 6, and I'm going to read verse 40 here uh, in, in just a moment. You'll see it on the, on the slide, slides behind me here. Luke, Luke 6 is, is often referred to as the Sermon on the Plain, somewhat of a, a condensed version of what we find in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 that we typically refer to as the Sermon uh, on the Mount. And context for this little statement in verse 40 actually begins in verse 39. He told them this parable. All right, we've been studying parables on Sunday nights uh, together. And, uh, you know, a parable can, can just be a little pithy statement, as in this case, or it can be a story. But Jesus refers to what he's about to say as, as a parable. And again, a parable is designed to kind of capture our attention, capture our imagination. He says, can the blind lead the blind? Well, what's the obvious answer? No. All right. Will they not both fall into a pit? Obvious answer is yes. All right. And so the point is, Jesus is, is emphasizing to his disciples... Be careful of who you attach yourself to. Be, be careful of who you are learning from. Be careful uh, with who you are listening to. Choose your teacher wisely. And so then in verse 40, he says, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. The word the NIV translates as student is our word methetes. Or disciple, okay? Jesus uses uh, uh, an, an, a very interesting word that again illustrates what it means to be a disciple. And, and kind of illustrates this, this process or this journey of learning from him and imitating him uh, that's translated fully trained. Uh, this particular word is, is not used real often uh, in the New Testament, maybe a dozen times. And it, it has a variety of meanings depending on the context. This word is used in Matthew 4.21 as, as Jesus begins his public ministry and he's walking around the Sea of Galilee and he has already called uh, Peter and Andrew and he comes upon James and John. And he finds them... Uh, Mending or uh, repairing their nets. All right, it's, it's this word that's translated in the NIV in verse 40, Luke 6, fully trained. So there's this, this idea in some context of, of mending or repairing. It's also used by Paul in Galatians uh, 6.1 
where he says, uh, if you see uh, a brother or a sister who is, is stumbling, you know, pick that brother or sister up. Restore is the word that's usually uh, used in Galatians 6.1. And so this is an ethical kind of context, meaning to strengthen or, or to help someone you know, along the way that needs some in, in encouragement. And then the third context, the, the, the one that I think we find here, is this idea of training or teaching, or I kind of like the word equip, right? Uh, we are to be in, the, in, in a ministry of equipping uh, one another, teaching and, and training. And, and so any, any idea or any, any kind of concept that you might think of in, in the context of training or equipping, I, I think we can use by, by way of analogy to what we are to be doing spiritually as disciples uh, of Jesus. And so we attach ourselves to our teacher and we learn from him and we seek to uh, imitate him. And perhaps there are certain spiritual exercises that, that we can go through to better equip us, better train us as a disciple of, of Jesus. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an exercise. All right? I'm going to participate as well. Okay. So here is your homework. Here is, here is your assignment for this week. All right? Very simple. Read the Gospel of Mark. Read the Gospel of Mark. All right? why, why would we choose the Gospel of Mark? Well, it's only 16 chapters long is one reason. Okay? Uh, I'm not too good in math. But if you divide seven days into 16, that's just a little over two chapters a day, I think, right? right? Everybody can spend however long, three minutes, four minutes, to read a couple of chapters a day or so of the Gospel of Mark. Right? A second reason that I would suggest Mark is because Mark, be, being the shortest, there, there aren't long teaching discourses uh, in Mark's Gospel. Jesus is, is really on the move. In, in fact, there are those who would suggest that, that uh, you know, the, the, the metaphor, the, the picture that we have of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark is one of a servant. All right? there, there is a little phrase that some of the older translations are particularly good at, at emphasizing that occurs over and over in the Gospel of Mark is this little phrase, and immediately... Right? And so again, you see Jesus living his life, and especially in the Gospel of Mark, with a sense of urgency, with again some intentionality about what he was doing. Right? And so as you read through the Gospel of Mark this week, okay, and, and I, would, I would be interested in, in hearing from you on some things maybe you discover. Right? Try, to, try to read the Gospel of Mark as if you've never read it before. Okay? So be very open-minded. Right? My, my email address is very simple. It's my name, randyjohns at hotmail.com. Okay? So if something kind of leaps out at you, let me know. I, it'd be great to be able to share some of that next week. All right? So read through the Gospel of Mark. 
Notice what Jesus does. Notice how Jesus intentionally models something for his students, for his pupils, for his apprentices. As, as they not, but because again, in, in Mark's gospel, there's just not a lot of teaching. You don't find the Sermon on the Mount. You don't find those long discourses like we have in the gospel of John. Jesus is on the move. He's busy. He's serving. He's interacting with people. He's making himself available. I've already given you three right there. Okay? So just, just read through the gospel of Mark. All right? Attach yourself to Jesus the servant, right? and, and see what you might learn this week. Look, look for some things that maybe you've never seen before. And again, I want to hear from you. All right? Man, my email may be just flooded. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, be really fun to share some of that next week uh, when we come back together and as we, we share some of those things and as we begin again to better understand about what it means to be a disciple. So there's your homework. We learned last week that baptism is kind of that initiation rite, if you will, in which a disciple responds and begins that process of learning and begins that process of, of imitating. And so there might be someone here this morning that has never been baptized or immersed in the name of Jesus. Or maybe you've responded in that way and, and for whatever reason you're, you're kind of off the path so to speak and just need some encouragement. Or, or you may have some other need. We, we have learned in recent weeks you know, people respond when they just have a, a, a prayer concern on their heart and that's what we are here for. So we're going to stand and Stephen's going to lead us in one more song. And if there's anyone that we can encourage, assist as a disciple of Jesus this morning, won't you come while we stand and sing?